Today is the 12th of August, 2019. Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. I want to say thank you to everyone for listening in as we continue to explore what it means to have a regular rhythm of worship together. It's lovely here in West Yorkshire this morning. It's a bit nippy, but the sun is out, the sky is blue, and I hope wherever you are that you're going to have a good day. If you're joining us for the first time, let me explain that each episode follows a really simple pattern of prayer, scripture, and music. So having explained how it all works, let's start today's leg of walking the way with our opening prayer. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, quieten our minds, still our hearts, for your living ways are all we seek. Strengthen our lives, inspire our spirits. In your living waters flow endless grace. Amen. We're going to have our first piece of music just to give us some time to center our thoughts on God. And then we're going to get into our Bible readings for today. And in today's Bible readings, we read more about the kings of Judah and Israel. And Jesus starts to tell his parables. But we'll see you on the other side.
Let's ask God to speak to us through the scriptures this morning. Loving God, open our hearts and minds to the words that you would have us hear. Speak to us today through the words on these pages. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible readings this morning are taken from the Good News Translation, and we're beginning today with 2 Chronicles 15 and 16. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went to meet King Asa. He called out, Listen to me, King Asa, and all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you as long as you are with him. If you look for him, he will let you find him, but if you turn away, he will abandon you. For a long time, Israel lived without the true God, without priests to teach them or without a law. But when trouble came, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel. They searched for him and found him. In those days, no one could come and go in safety because there was trouble and disorder in every land. One nation oppressed another nation, and one city oppressed another city because God was bringing trouble and distress on them. But you must be strong and not be discouraged. The work that you do will be rewarded. When Asa heard the prophecy that Zechariah, son of Oded, had spoken, he was encouraged. He did away with all the idols in the land of Judah and Benjamin, and all the idols in the city he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He also repaired the altar of the Lord that stood in the temple courtyard. Many people came over to Asa's side from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, and were living in his kingdom because they had seen that the Lord was with him. Asa summoned all of them, and, and the people of Judah and Benjamin. They assembled in Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year that Asa was king. On that day they offered sacrifices to the Lord from the loot they'd brought back, seven hundred head of cattle and seven thousand sheep. They made a covenant in which they agreed to worship the Lord the God of their ancestors with all their heart and soul. Anyone, young and old, male or female, who did not worship him was to be put to death. In a loud voice they took an oath in the Lord's name that they would keep the covenant. Then they shouted and blew trumpets. All the people of Judah were happy, because they had made this covenant with all their heart. They took delight in worshipping the Lord, and he accepted them, and gave them peace on every side. King Asa removed his grandmother Maka from her position as queen mother, because she had made an obscene idol of the fertility god Asherah. Asa cut down the idol, chopped it up, and burned the pieces in Kidron Valley. Even though Asa did not destroy all the pagan places of worship in the land, he remained faithful to the Lord all his life. He placed in the temple all the objects his father Abijah had dedicated to God, as well as the gold and silver objects that he had dedicated. There was no more war until the thirty-fifth year of his reign. In the thirty-sixth year of the reign of King Asa of Judah, King Basha of Israel invaded Judah and started to fortify Ramah in order to cut off all the traffic in and out of Judah. So Asa took silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple and the palace and sent it to Damascus, to King Ben-Hadad of Syria, with this message, Let us be allies, as our fathers were. This gold and silver is a present for you. Now break your alliance with King Basha of Israel, so that he will have to pull his troops out of my territory. Ben-Hadad agreed to Asa's proposal, and sent his commanding officers and their armies to attack the city of Israel. They captured Ejon, Dan, Abel, Beth-Makkah, 
and all the cities of Naphtali where supplies were stored. When King Basha heard what was happening, he stopped fortifying Ramah and abandoned the work. Then King Asa gathered men from throughout Judah and had them carry off the stones and timbers that Basha had been using at Ramah, and they used them to fortify the cities of Geba and Mizpah. At that time, the prophet Hanani went to King Asa and said, Because you relied on the king of Syria instead of relying on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Israel has escaped from you. Didn't the Ethiopians and the Libyans have large armies with many chariots and cavalry troops? But because you relied on the Lord, he gave you victory over them. The Lord keeps close watch over the whole world to give strength to those whose hearts are loyal to him. You have acted foolishly, and from now on you will always be at war. This made Asa so angry with the prophet that he put him in chains. It was at that time that Asa began treating some of the people cruelly. All the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are recorded in the histories of the king of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year that Asa was king, he was crippled by a severe foot disease. But even then he did not turn to the Lord for help, but to doctors. Two years later he died and was buried in the rock tomb which he'd carved out for himself in David's city. They used spices and perfumed oil to prepare his body for burial, and they built a huge bonfire to mourn his death. 1 Kings 16 The Lord spoke to the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, and gave him this message for Basha. You were nobody, but I made you a leader of my people Israel. And now you have sinned like Jeroboam and led my people into sin. Their sins have aroused my anger, and so I will do away with you and your family just as I did with Jeroboam. Any members of your family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and any who die in the open country will be eaten by vultures. Everything else that Basha did and all his brave deeds are recorded in the history of the king of Israel. Basha died and was buried in Terzah, and his son Ella succeeded him as king. That message from the Lord against Basha and his family was given by the prophet Jehu because of the sins that Basha committed against the Lord. He aroused the Lord's anger, not because of the evil that he did, just as King Jeroboam had done to him, but also because he killed all of Jeroboam's family. In the twenty-sixth year of the reign of Asa of Judah, Ella, son of Basha, became king of Israel, and he ruled in Terzah for two years. Zimri, one of his officers who was in charge of half the king's chariots, plotted against him. One day in Terza, Ella was getting drunk in the home of Arza, who was in charge of the palace. Zimri entered the house, assassinated Ella, and succeeded him as king. This happened in the twenty-seventh year of the reign of King Asa of Judah. As soon as Zimri became king, he killed off all the members of Basha's family. Every male relative and friend was put to death. And so, in accordance with what the Lord had said against Basha through the prophet Jehu, Zimri killed all the family of Basha. Because of their idolatry, and because they led Israel into sin, Basha and his son Ella had aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel. Everything else Ella did is recorded in the history of the kings of Israel. In the twenty-seventh year of the reign of King Asa of Judah, Zimri ruled in Terzah over Israel for seven days. The Israelite troops were besieging the city of Gibbethon and Philistia, and when they heard that Zimri had plotted against the king and assassinated him, then and there 
they all proclaimed their commander Omri, king of Israel. Omri and his troops left Gibbethon and went and besieged Terza. When Zimri saw the city had fallen, he went into the palace's inner fortress, set the palace on fire and died in the flames. This happened because of his sins against the Lord. Like his predecessor Jeroboam, he displeased the Lord by his own sins and by leading Israel into sin. Everything else that Zimri did, including the account of his conspiracy, is recorded in the history of the kings of Israel. The people of Israel were divided. Some of them wanted to make Tibna, son of Ginnath, king, and the others were in favor of Omri. In the end, those in favor of Omri won out. Timna died, and Omri became king. So in the thirty-first year of the reign of King Asa of Judah, Omri became king of Israel, and he ruled for twelve years. The first six years he ruled in Terzah, and then he bought the hill of Samaria for six thousand pieces of silver from a man named Shema. Omri fortified the hill, built a town there named it Samaria, after Shema, the former owner of the hill. Omri sinned against the Lord more than any of his predecessors. Like Jeroboam before him, he aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by his sins and by leading the people into sin and idolatry. Everything else that Omri did and all his accomplishments are recorded in the history of the kings of Israel. Omri died and was buried in Samaria and his son Ahab succeeded him as king. In the 38th year of the reign of King Asa of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel and he ruled in Samaria for twenty-two years. He sinned against the Lord more than any of his predecessors. It was not enough for him to sin like King Jeroboam. He went further and married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of Sidon, and worshipped Baal. He built a temple to Baal in Samaria, made an altar for him and put it in the temple. He also put up an image of the goddess Asherah. He did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him. During his reign, Hale from Bethel rebuilt Jericho. As the Lord had foretold through Joshua son of Nun, Hale lost his older son, Abiram, when he laid the foundation of Jericho, and his youngest son, Segeb, when he built the gates. Matthew 13 That same day, Jesus left the house and went to the lakeside where he sat down to teach. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it while the crowd stood on the shore. He used parables to tell them many things. Once there was a man who went out to sow grain. As he scattered the seed in the field, some of it fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some of it fell on rocky ground where there was little soil. The seeds soon sprouted because the soil wasn't deep, but when the sun came up it burnt the young plants, and because the roots had not grown deep enough, the plants soon dried out. Some of the seed fell among thorn bushes, which grew up and choked the plants. But some seeds fell on good soil, and the plants bore grain. Some had one hundred grains, others sixty, others thirty. And Jesus concluded, Listen then, if you have ears. Then the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Jesus answered, The knowledge about the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. For the person who has something will be given more, so that he will have more than enough. But the person who has nothing will have taken away from him even the little that he has. 
The reason I use parables and talking to them is that they look but do not see. They listen but do not hear or understand. So the prophecy of Isaiah applies to them. These people will listen and listen but not understand. They will look and look but not see because their minds are dull and they have stopped their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise their eyes would see, their ears would hear, their minds would understand and they would turn to me, says God, and I would heal them. As for you, how fortunate you are, your eyes see and your ears hear. And I assure you that many prophets and many of God's people wanted very much to see what you see, but they could not, and to hear what you hear, but they did not. Listen then, and learn what the parable of the sower means. Those who hear the message about the kingdom, but do not understand it, are like the seeds that fell on the path. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in them. The seeds that fell on rocky ground stand for those who receive the message gladly as soon as they hear it. But it does not sink deep into them, and they don't last long, so when trouble or persecution come because of the message, they give up at once. The seeds that fell among the thorn bushes stand for those who hear the message, but the worries about this life and the love of riches choke the message, and they don't bear fruit. And the seeds sown in the good soil? Stand for those who hear the message and who understand it. They bear fruit, some as much as one hundred, others sixty, others thirty. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man sowed good seed in his field. One night when everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants grew and the heads of grain began to form, then the weeds showed up. The man's servants came to him and said, Sir, it was a good seed you sowed in your field. Where did the weeds come from? It was some enemy who did this, he answered. Do you want us to go and pull up the weeds, they asked him. No, he answered, because as you gather the weeds, you may pull up some of the wheat along with them. Let the wheat and the weeds both grow together until harvest. Then I will tell the harvest worker to pull up the weeds first, tie them in bundles and burn them and then to gather in the wheat and put it in my barn. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man takes a mustard seed and sows it in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it grows up, it is the biggest of all plants. It becomes a tree, so that the birds come and make their nests in the branches. Jesus told them still yet another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A woman takes some yeast and mixes it with a bushel of flour until the whole batch of dough rises. Jesus used parables to tell these things to the crowds. He would not say a thing to them without using a parable. He did this to make come true what the prophet had said. I will use parables when I speak to them. I will tell them things unknown since the creation of the world. When Jesus left the crowd and had gone indoors, his disciples came to him and said, Tell us what the parable about the weeds in the field means. Jesus answered, The man who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the people who belong to the kingdom, and the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. And the enemy who sowed the weeds is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvest workers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered up and burned in the fire, so the same thing will happen at the end of the age. 
the Son of Man will send out his angels to gather up out of his kingdom all those who cause people to sin, and all others who do evil things. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace, where they will cry and gnash their teeth. Then God's people will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Listen then, if you have ears. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man happens to find a treasure hidden in a field. He covers it up again, and is so happy that he goes and sells everything he has, and then goes back and buys that field. Also, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man is looking for fine pearls, and when he finds one that is unusually fine, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that pearl. Also, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Some fishermen throw their net out in the lake and get, catch all kinds of fish. When the net is full, they put it into shore and sit down to divide the fish. The good ones go into buckets. The worthless ones are thrown away. It will be like this at the end of the age. The angels will go out and gather up the evil people from among the good and will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will cry and gnash their teeth. Do you understand these things? Jesus asked them. Yes, they answered. So he replied, This means then that every teacher of the law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who takes new and old things out of his storage room. When Jesus finished telling these parables, he left that place and went back to his hometown. He taught in the synagogue, and those who heard him were amazed. Where did he get such wisdom, they asked, and what about his miracles? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't Mary his mother, and aren't James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas his brothers? Aren't all his sisters living here? Where did he get all this? And so they rejected him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is respected everywhere except in his hometown and by his own family. Because they did not have faith, he did not perform many miracles there. Ecclesiastes 6 I noticed that in this world a serious injustice is done. God will give us wealth, honor, and property, yes, everything we want, but then will not let us enjoy it. Some stranger will enjoy it instead. It is useless, and it just isn't right. We may have a hundred children and live a long time, but no matter how long we live, if we do not get our share of happiness and do not receive a decent burial, then I say a baby born dead is better off. It does that baby no good to be born. It disappears into darkness where it is forgotten. It never sees the light of day or knows what life is like, but at least it has found rest. More so than the man who never enjoys life, though he may live two thousand years. After all, both of them are going to the same place. We do all our work just to get something to eat, but we never have enough. How are the wise better off than fools? What good does it do the poor to know how to face life? It is useless. It is like chasing the wind. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to be always wanting something else. Everything that happens was already determined long ago. And we all know that you cannot argue with someone who is stronger than you. The longer you argue, the more useless it is, and you are no better off. How can anyone know what is best for us in this short, useless life of ours, a life that passes like a shadow? How could we know what will happen in the world after we die? 
we're going to have our second piece of music to give us some time to think about the bits of scripture that have caught our attention. And after the music, we'll say our prayers for the day and the time of the year. Before we say our prayers for the day and the time of the year, just a reminder that if you'd like us to pray for you, drop us a line through the usual channels. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Check the show notes for the contact details. There are links for the majority of them there. Click the link. It'll take you wherever you need to go. I have my own personal prayer request, please. We have a panel meeting today with our local social services to approve the adoption of some children we're hoping to adopt. So I'd appreciate your prayers for today, please. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I give you praise for your patience and forbearance. Lord, I pray that you will forgive me for all the sorrow that I have made from rebellion and despair. And with your forgiveness, I ask that I receive patience and courage. Amen. And our prayer for the time of the year. Lord God, you are the just God, holy and true. You are the most high God. You give us life. You hold all power in your hands. You are the mighty one from God who carries the world and is ruler over the earth. 
You, O most blessed one, are the giver of life. In you are only good things. In you is mercy and love. In you is healing of the nations. In you is freedom from worry and freedom from pain. Lord Jesus, you loved us so much you were sent from your Father, sent to save us from destruction. We can truly never make it to heaven without the help of Jesus the Son, who was sent to earth to help us. You, Lord, are full of mercy and grace, so please forgive us our faults. Lord Jesus, in you all healing is performed. You, Lord, are the miracle worker. In your spirit your gift of healing is alive. In you, Lord, we can put our trust that you can heal us and protect us from the enemy and the death of our souls. You, Lord, are a miracle worker for the sick and for the lost. You, Lord, forgive us and save us from condemnation. You cleanse us and you make us new. You give us a heart full of peace because you, Lord, are light. In you is all truth. Your way, Lord, is the way to heavenly hope. Your hands, Lord, created the universe. You are the true giver of life. Wrap us up as a close-knit family. Draw us near to you, Lord, and bind us with your loving hands. Let us be drawn closer to you because you are the vine and we are the branches. You carry all knowledge and power. Your words are truth and life. Help us to put our trust in you. You, Lord, are the greatest physician. You heal, you protect, you care, you love. You are kind, you are patient, you are thoughtful, you are strength. You are Lord, our creator. You know our thoughts, our cryings, and every hair on our head. Lord, you are wonderful, and you make all good things for us. Lord, if it be your will, heal us. Amen. And we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and forevermore. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You've been listening to Walking the Way. All the details for today's episode can be found in the show notes, including the scripture passages and credits for the prayers that we've used. And if you want to partner with Walking the Way, please head to www.givesendgo.com forward slash walking the way. And if you want more information about me or the podcast, head to rayborrett.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget you can listen to Walking the Way on TuneIn and YouTube and radio.com. My name is Ray, and so until next time, I'll be here, waiting, as we continue walking the way.